1: of Winning Ponies Radio. I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah and uh, just hope that uh, you get everything you want uh, for uh, the holidays. Uh, Of course, along with the holidays, uh, a lot of the big racing in North America takes a break. So unless you're living in Japan this weekend, uh, there's not going to be a a whole lot of major races to handicap, though if you do uh, decide to tune in, there's several grade ones on the Japan card. So uh, we're going to go to a variety of guests here on Winning Ponies. Uh, First out of the box is John Parada, who has just penned a new book called Half a Chance, but uh, he is certainly not limited to being an author. Uh, I can't wait to talk to John. He's done a little bit of everything. Uh, We're we're talking about, started with a hot walker, was a jockey agent, an owner, breeder, racing manager of some champions, and a bloodstock agent. Uh, You remember the uh, television show Luck on HBO? Well, uh, he was the uh, advisor on that show, so certainly knows his way around racing in the backstretch. Uh, He's got a lot of colorful characters, so we'll ask him about his real-life characters, and the characters that he features in Half a Chance. Then we're going to talk to Eric Reed. Eric has been in the headlines uh, for the worst of reasons uh, this week. I've had him on as a guest before and talk about the advantages of uh, being able to train from his Mercury Equine Center that was the old Spendthrift Farm Training Center uh, just outside Lexington. And sad to say, uh, he and his wife, Kay, uh, they had to witness a devastating fire at their farm. And I believe at the moment the count is 23 horses perished in the fire. Uh, so uh, Eric has decided uh, that he would uh, come and talk to us about it because what I want to do is advertise some of the great things that are being done to help him and Kay get back on their feet. You can imagine uh, the, the shock uh of uh, losing um, 23 uh, of your your pets and promising horses. One had just won a $100,000 stakes race, and I know one was on the rise in the Ohio program. So uh, we'll be talking to Eric about that. And again, please get your pen paper out because we're going to give you some contacts where you can uh, help uh, donate to help get them back on their feet. Uh, Even $5 here, $5 there will help. And then I don't know if you've uh, been on the website, America's Best Racing. Uh, We're going to be talking to uh, Penelope Miller, uh, who's uh, very much one of the uh, key people behind uh, the publication. She's considered the uh, senior manager of the digital media, and it is all digital. So we're going to find out more about America's Best Racing. And the one of the best horses in racing was on display last week, and that was none other than Multiple Champion and Horse of the Year. California Chrome. What a race. They called it the Winter Challenge. It was a race that was created for Chrome as a prep for the $12 million Pegasus down at Gulfstream. He never got to perform in front of his fans at Los Alamitos before. Well, he certainly got to perform in the Winter Challenge a mile and a 16th. Uh, Victor Espinoza broke him out in second and kind of parked outside. You got to remember uh, Los Alamitos, very tight turns. It used to be a bull ring. They extended the track uh, when the Thoroughbreds started racing there. But what a race he put in. It was just a public display of awesomeness, despite being parked outside on the turns down the backstretch, coming for home. When he let California Chrome loose, it was a sight. To behold. So uh, he is uh, back on his winning ways uh, after having to take the second spot uh, in the Breeders' Cup Classic. So uh, basically, our chairman just said, keep him clear, and that's what he did. He kept him clear, but boy, they uh, said, that es- Espinosa said, the minute I sat on his back, he's just different. Walking to the track and warming up, he's just completely different. And I've been riding him for so long, so I could tell the difference. So uh, the Pegasus is going to be very very interesting. Now, uh, California Chrome also earned his second Vox Populi Award. It's the second time he was selected for the award that recognizes the horse whose popularity and racing excellence best resounded with the American public and it gained recognition. Uh, so he also got the award back in 2014 after uh, winning the Derby and the Preakness Stakes. And of course, he has his loyal fans that are known as Chromies. Well, we do know a horse that's going to be racing against them uh, in the Pegasus World Cup. Judgment Farm entered into a private deal, and they're purchasing Coolmore spot in the gate for that $12 million grade one race. Again, the Pegasus World Cup will be run on January 28th, and, of course, filling that spot will be Arrowgate, uh just what what a sensational uh, horse uh when he came out and did his 13 and a half length romp in the the grade one traverse stakes back in august and then defeating california chrome uh in the uh breeders cup classic uh he could be some kind of super horse uh, that we're getting to watch but anyhow we know that he got his spot so he will be there um well, again, we're we're going go uh, to go uh, you into know, there were so many headlines that I was pulling down about Eric. I wasn't really sure uh, that he'd be able to join us, but uh, it looks like. Uh Mike uh who won the Kentucky Derby Board Dust Commander, uh, he and his wife Kitty helped set up a, a, a GoFundMe account. When I checked on it last night, they already had 27000 towards their goal of 50000 Well, now the National HBPA uh, has, has jumped in, and uh, they're putting t- together a, a, a several different uh, efforts. You can donate to Reed's Fund through the National HBPA, and that's the tax-exempt 501C, so those uh, donations are tax deductible. Also, if you happen to be uh, near Versailles, Kentucky, uh, you can uh Mail or drop checks uh, by a place called Horse Sense. That's C E N T S. That's where Eric has done so much business over the years, and so contributions can be made there. So it help him get back on his feet. Uh, also, again, uh, the GoFundMe page uh, is easy to find if you just Google it. So looking forward to talking uh, with with Eric. Um, here's a, was a really touching story over the weekend. They have a race called the Josh. Rodosevich Memorial. And this year, that race that's now run at Hollywood Gaming in Mahoning Valley was won by Josh's younger brother, Jake Rodosevich, on a horse trained by his uncle. It was really touching. Uh, and uh, to, to see all those Radasevich uh, connections uh, together in the winner's circle, I, it couldn't help but uh, uh, bring a, a tear in your eye. So congratulations uh, to Uncle Jeff Radasevich on, um, on winning the stakes. Uh, the uh, 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 the, the horse uh, was a, a gilded son of Mobile, who's the leading Ohio sire right now, Mobile Sky. So, congratulations uh, to all the connections right there. All right, uh, somewhere on the good news side both Andy Beyer and Stephen Christ are going to receive Eclipse Awards of Merit. It has been voted on by the NTRA, the Daily Racing Forum, and the National Turf Riders and Broadcasters. That just came out today. So, Beyer and Christ will be receiving. The Eclipse Award of Merit. Uh, as you know, uh, both those guys have been uh, on the show before winning ponies. Uh, just two uh, of the, the, the trailblazers uh, in, in racing. Of course, uh, Andy Byer, the man that invented the buyer Speed figures and for so many years uh, wrote for the Washington Post. Uh, he just announced that he's kind of stepping away just a few Uh, Weeks ago, and he was just a real groundbreaker that revolutionized handicapping for a whole uh, generation of horse players. Also, Chris, he retired this year, Uh, of course, for years. He was the racing writer of the New York Times. Then he went on to found the Racing Times. And uh, he uh, also uh, had besides his broad range as a journalist uh, with the the racing form uh, where he he eventually uh, became the chairman and the publisher back in 2013. Uh, Stephen Chris was responsible for you handicappers getting shot at getting Eclipse. He created the Eclipse Award for Horse Player of the Year. And uh, he is, except for one year, he has given out that trophy. So we know he'll be on hand um, at the, uh, the, the awards banquet. So he can hand it out again. Congratulations. To Stephen, and Andy, well deserved. Well, we were wondering why uh, the uh, purses were being held up in the Breeders' Cup Sprint, and it looks like Masochistic has been disqualified after failing a post-race drug test. Uh, they, they wanted to make sure that they got it, got it right, so they they took their time on it, and uh, the. Uh, Ron Ellis, who trained, said, I acknowledge that masochistic tested positive for a very low picogram levels of stanozole after the sprint. Now, stanozole was administered on the recommendation of his veterinarian for the therapeutic purposes of recovering from bleeding and weight loss, and he was actually treated 68 days before the Breeders' Cup. But like any medication, you just do not know how long it's going to linger in your system. So uh, he was DQ'd, and uh, the purses will be uh, you know, redistributed. Of course, uh, hopefully, uh, what you need to know is that Ellis let everybody know before the race that the horse had been treated with, and they were kind of testing his guideline, and they saw that slowly it was leaving the system, and they just assumed uh, it would uh, be out of the system by uh, race day, and uh, Ellis just says he hopes that the stewards consider his clean record and free race efforts uh, to uh, before they assess a, a penalty. Um, class B substance calls for a minimum 15-day suspension and a minimum $500 fine. So, uh, Ron Ellis, real good guy. Hope that they go easy on him. Well, another horse that's uh, going to be. In the Pegasus Stakes, as we stated, it's not to be run happy because he's been retired, but Mac Mac, James McInvale, uh, who owned one of the 12 slots, went out and bought himself a great one Argentine bread runner with the hopes of making it into the race. Aragon, who was bred in Argentina, he'll soon be a six-year-old. He's uh, son by uh, a North American stallion, awfully Wild. Uh, he's going to spend uh, the next couple of days in quarantine. That should be about over. And then uh, Laura Wooler's took up uh, the training duties of Run Happy. will also take up the training duties of this Argentinian horse, Aragon. So we know that Matt Smack does plan to be in the starting gate uh, in that $12 million race. Our Jockey of the Week, how about Ashley Broussard? She scored a 6-1 streak, and that got her Jockey of the Week. Uh, What what a uh, uh, great feat, and I'm glad they mixed up and that we're not getting the same jockey every week uh, getting the the award. So Jockey Talk 360, Ashley Broussard, congratulations. She was a former barrel racer and just a natural when she started riding as a jockey in 2013. Uh, So she earned uh, 124,025 starts last week. Uh, Congratulations to her. Well, I want to thank Ron Nicoletti for spending time with us Uh, last week. We did find a a slew of good races at Gulfstream Park. Uh, It kicked off with the Sugar Swirl, the grade three. It was won by dearest who took over the pace and just won driving uh, in in the second spot was you bought her and third at odds on favorite stone task in the grade three rampart stakes The the winner in there was asking for money todd pletcher wasn't going to go away without a win on the afternoon card ask for money a pletcher train with Javier Castellano in the saddle, surprisingly paid $13.20. And a horse that may also fill the gate on a Pegasus Day could be Stanford, who took the Grade 3 Harlan's holiday wire to wire and pulled away from the field. In second, another horse that could go in the Pegasus, a keen ice. And in the third spot was Awesome Slough. And rounding out the stakes on that day was the El Prado. And Ron Nicolaitis said, my best bet of the day is heart to heart. And heart to heart went wire to wire. All right, that's a look at national news, a look at some of the races we handicapped last week. And coming up next, I'm really looking forward uh, to talking to John Parada, a man that's done a little bit everything in racing, but lately he just penned half a chance. You're listening to the holiday special Winning ponies
0: Streaming Live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica dot com. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and
1: back with me, John Parada. Do I have you on the line? Hi, John. How are you? I'm doing okay, having some uh, internet connection problems here, but you sound like you're coming across clear as a bell. Well, first of all, uh, welcome, Uh, thanks for for being on the show, and... um, your background is really, really an interesting one. So, can, can you take us back in time? I mean, I, I did at the top of the show. You mentioned some of the many things that you've done, and the fact that uh, you were, uh, you know, involved with with the series that, uh, you know, sad to say, is off the airwaves now. Luck. Uh, bring us back to your entrance into the game.
3: But you can still get it on Amazon Prime. I just want you to know it's still available. <laughs> good, Luck- good. Luck- luck lives luck lives is still out there uh my background is i mean i consider myself part of that old racetracker generation which was a long generation more or less three decades probably the people who were born in the 40s 50s and 60s you know back when racing was part of american culture and and uh I, i i grew up uh Near Monmouth Park, my father was a racing fan. He wasn't a, He was my father was a doctor, but he'd get Wednesdays and Wednesdays off, and Mom was, Monmouth was open. He'd be at Monmouth on Wednesday, and he would go on Saturday for the for the stakes races. And uh, and uh, I think I, I read a piece that you wrote somewhere uh, about Rockingham Park. I think it was reminiscence of Rockingham Park, and I read another one by T. D. Thornton. Uh, about Rockingham Park, and I think that underlines how important it is that those little tracks don't go away because I would have never gotten involved in horse racing had my father not brought me to the track. And I think the generations in between, a lot of them, parents stopped bringing their, their children to the track for whatever reason. I don't think the track so much encouraged it. And they kind of missed an opportunity there to perpetuate their
1: their fan base uh, i, I abs- absolutely yeah. agree with you john you know uh i've been associated with uh well we'll call it river downs uh for uh 30 plus years and um hardly uh, a week went by when i didn't try to have some kind of family oriented event i also had uh Pony rides for the kids every Saturday. They got extended into Saturdays and Sundays. And guys would see me and I'd say, hey, you know, Bill, what are you doing here? He said, oh, my daughter dragged me out again. She wanted to ride the pony and feed carrots to the pony people, horses. And, you know, so we've got to do things to to foster that. I mean, what you just said is is a great example of it. And we're seeing, you know, somewhat less and less of it with the, the Racino generation because there's not a whole a lot of purpose to be bringing kids in when they can't go back inside the casino, which is which is sad. So I, I totally agree with you. We've, we've got to foster and keep alive uh, the, the smaller tracks and, uh, you know, encourage the tracks to do things to, to bring the youth out. So your, your story is a familiar one with a lot of guests I have in that part of it as far as going to the races with a family member. Now, what about your... Uh, time on the backstretch. I mean, when you read a book like Half a Chance, you know that this is somebody that's uh, had some some, uh, horse crap on their boots at some time of their life. Can can you walk me through uh, being on the backstretch? Sure.
3: Sure. Well, I mean, I started working, I grew up, like I said, near Monmouth Park, which you don't really, wouldn't really think of New Jersey as being uh, that much of a, uh, but it is Garden State. And a lot of the, the big farms, the Green Tree and the Whitney's and the Vanderbilts all had their, their satellite farms in New Jersey back in the, the, you know, twenties and thirties and forties. And, uh, actually I grew up, uh, like I said, near Red Bank, New Jersey. And I went to high school at a school called Christian Brothers Academy in Linkroft, New Jersey, which was a converted horse farm. It actually had a mile racetrack on it. And, uh, we ran track in an indoor barn, uh, and, uh, it's, so it's part of, it's part of that culture that was, that existed previous, uh, and, you know, growing up, I was around it, walked, you know, walked hots and brought in the hay and the, the country. It was very, very rural around that huge residential area now, but, but, uh, uh, I grew up around there. And then when I was 16, you couldn't get a racetrack license until you were 16, um, and uh, when I got to be sixteen, I, I was walking hot at Monmouth, and I, and I, in the afternoon, I would go over and uh, uh, work as an usher, I ran an elevator, uh, wiped the seats for people, and all those those uh, jobs that were, you know, intrinsic to the racetrack.
1: And uh, <laughs> oh, got. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, and, and, and it it shows in, in your writing. Uh, you you you've kind of experienced it every single level. Now, I, I have to ask you because I'm going to be moving. I could talk to you for an hour about what you've done, but uh, there's the one part of your life where you were a racing manager of champions. Who who was that for? Well,
3: I uh, I managed a, a stable, pretty significant stable in the in the mid-'80s and the-'90s, called Due Process Stable. Sure. And we, had a, we had the first big horse that we had was a horse named Deputy Minister, of course, who was a champion in many ways. Uh, he was uh, uh, a great racehorse, and he turned out to be a great breeding horse and that he was a uh, sire of sires, and a uh, great mare sire. So I, you looked at it it's like, you know, in a many, many significant pedigrees, of stakes horses in the past 20 years deputy ministers prominently displayed uh he's the the broodmare sire of Curlin, for instance uh i mean every every weekend you can find a deputy minister or line uh his name in somebody's pedigree so we had him and then we've also bred uh Horse named Open Mind, who was a pretty nice filly. She won back to back. Oh, uh, loved championships. Her. She was two year old champion. She was a three year old champion. She was a great racehorse. And she was actually a New Jersey bred. We bred her at the farm in Colt's Neck, New Jersey, and yeah. which makes her arguably the best Jersey bred ever. You know, I mean, Regret was also a New Jersey bred. So, you know, there's a lot of, you could debate it, but I would say Open Mind is probably the best Jersey bred ever. Um, well, we're
1: we're, uh, we're talking with John Parada, who's considered uh, America's turf uh, renaissance man, and. Uh He's lived just an amazing life from everything I'm hearing, but uh, he's just recently penned uh, a a new book called Half a Chance. It's uh, by no means the the first thing he's written, but it's the most recent thing he's written, and I've been exposed to it through uh, Jackie Talk uh, 360. Uh, I'll I'll tell you what, John, when I started reading this book and I buzzed right through it, just from the very beginning you had me because... uh, had the Casey family that are featured so prominently here um, outside in the little town of Taylor Mill. Well, I used to stay uh, during the summers with my friends, Jeff and Joe Lynn Johnston, on, on Taylor Mill. And uh, then, of course, you, you alluded to uh, the, the super jock agent, Eddie Campbell. Uh, Eddie and I were oh. personal friends, and I'm beginning to think, Jesus, this guy following me around? I mean, it's like I'm very familiar. And then you bring up River Downs, where I cut my teeth. So we got about three minutes before we get to the bottom. I don't want you to give away everything about the book, but uh, just kind of paint with a broad brush uh, for people that uh, might be looking for a last-minute Christmas
3: gift. Well, I think th- it's, it's interesting, uh, John, because this book came about in an odd way. Uh, when luck was canceled, I was, and I'm a screenwriter as well, and I mainly, uh, work in fiction, but I was, everyone was so distressed over the loss of that, that show. We had a great cast and crew. It was a wonderful uh, group of people put together and it was going to get better and better. Uh, but when, when that fell apart, basically I wrote a book called Racetracker, which is my memoirs, kind of had all my personal stories in it. And then I followed that with another, with a novel called If Wishes Were Horses. And in the meantime, I was working on half a chance as a screenplay, and I intended it to, you know, to to put it on the on the silver screen at some point. And uh, my good friend Corey Johnson, I, I let him read a uh, copy of the screenplay, and he said, "Man, this would be a great book. You should write this as a novel, you know, in case, in case you don't get to make a movie, which most of the time you don't." And that's how it came about. So I hope it it rings a bell with. Uh, other people, as well as it seems to have with you, yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, it, it's, it, it, cert, it certainly did. And hey, hey, you know, just because it's out as a book doesn't mean uh, there's still not a chance for uh, uh, it to be turned into a screenplay uh, down the road. Well, with with your uh, variety of skills, uh, uh, what? Wait, before we get to talking about what might be coming up in the future, how do our listeners get their hands on? Half a chance.
3: Uh, it's easy enough. You can either go to jockeytalk360.com, three hundred and sixty which is the main way to get it, or to go to my uh, my own website. JR is in Robert J R Perotta, P-E-R-R-O-T-P-A, com, and that has my background on it, and uh, you know it also has links to Jockey Talk three hundred and sixty uh, and the other books.
1: Well, I know you've got uh, one of the best uh, writers in America on your side now, and Jenny Reese trying to uh, help you promote the book. So uh, you've got the right person helping you there, John.
3: Uh, She's always been one of my personal heroes in the horse racing team. She's the best. Uh, So I, I couldn't have anybody better on the team.
1: No, no, you couldn't. Well, in about forty-five seconds, uh, can you tell our listeners uh, what might be coming up next in the life of John Parada? Oh,
3: that's, that's not not hard to say. I mean, I spend my time writing. Uh, uh, you know, I have a couple of other projects with Jockey Talk Three Hundred and Sixty. I have a, uh, a book called Out of Luck that's going to be coming out next year, um, which is kind of the conclusion of the, the luck story on the from the TV show. And then I'm working on a murder mystery with a racetrack uh, background. And uh, and then I'm also working on some uh, continuation of the Hamilton Greer story that I did in If Wishes Were Horses. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm one of those people I can't settle on one thing, I have to move back and forth, and then I get stalled, <laughs> so I don't want to wait. And So let me keep going. So it seems like I'm putting out a lot, but one of these stories I've been working on for 20 years, so. I'll
1: give it well, later. It, 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 it's it been a real uh, pleasure talking with you, and I'll tell you, well, one, one last thing we have in common is that I, too, went to Christian Brothers Academy, but the uh, brothers kindly asked me to leave after my second year. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, that's not, it's not hard to imagine. You didn't go to the same one I did, did you?
1: You to a different one. No, no mine was yeah. up in Syracuse, New York. Yeah, yeah. Actually,
3: one of my sons goes to... Uh, LaSalle out here in Los Angeles, which is a Christian Brothers school, and I and I always tell them, you know, like back in my day, they knock, you know, they'd knock you, knock you halfway out across the hall if they wanted to get your attention.
1: But, Oh, yeah, I had to go home with a concussion one day. <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, my, uh, my producer's telling me I, I've got to sell some ads here and uh, move on to our next guest. Uh, John, i I'll, I'll got your number. I'll uh, keep you in touch with you. And next time you have a project coming out, be more than happy to help you promote it.
3: Thanks very much, John.
1: All right. We've been talking with John Parada, a man of uh, many uh, experiences in the world of racing. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to a great guy in racing that's just come upon a, a tragic time, and that is Eric Reed of Mercury Equine Training Center. You're listening to the holiday edition of Winning Ponies. <laughs>
0: the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com The home of the Easy Win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you.
1: All right, and with me, trainer Eric Reed. I really didn't think he would be up to the interview, but he said. I'll do it. Uh, As you recall, it's been all over the news about the devastating barn fire, and I have told you in the past uh, that Mercury Equine Center just outside of Lexington is just a fantastic place. I've been there to watch the machine move. Uh, I was complimented by the fact that Eric asked me to do the photography uh, for his website, and it's it's just a a tremendous operation, but just so sad to know that a a part of it is now gone. Eric, uh, thanks so much for being with us in these trying times you bet i'm glad you had us on well uh it just it it had to be unbelievable i mean you were actually a part of helping to rescue the horses you were able to get out of the barn
4: yeah we got 13 of them out um you know unfortunately 23 of them didn't get out and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the worst nightmare anybody ever has. And you've, I've seen it on TV. I've read about it. I just never dreamed it was, you know, one day could happen to me. And, um, I don't think there's much worse other than maybe losing one of your children than, than going through what we went through out there.
1: Well, the way that, uh, you and Kay and your staff take care of those horses, I know that they are were, were, we're like your children. Now, um, as I recall, you did have three separate barns on the farm, so um, re, are you able to g- get up and continue somewhat of operations uh, during the day, uh, training the horses that survived?
4: Yeah, we, uh, you know, the other two barns didn't didn't have anything happen to them. They they got lucky. The wind was actually blowing the right direction, or we probably would have lost everything. Um, and actually, one of the horses that was in the fire went to the track today. Uh, one of the yearlings, um, so he got to go back to the track, and he 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 was on TV, and it was kind of a bright spot watching one of them that made it get to go back to to training that
1: quick. Oh, that that's that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, I told everybody at at the top of the show to to get out their pens and paper because uh, so many people have learned to to love you and kay over the years and they they know what what honest and hard-working horsemen they are and people are just more than happy to lend a hand i know our our friend mike manganello who not only won the kentucky derby but i do believe rode his last horse ever at mercury equine center
4: (laughs) yeah it wasn't that long ago we put him on there and he galloped that horse around like he was you know a young man again and <clears throat> we got him videoed. It was a great day, and I can't say enough about Mike and Kitty. You know, they, they helped us so much with a lot of things because I just couldn't wrap my head around what was going on, and uh, they set up the 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 fun for us. Um, they've been out there with food, and Mike brought me his saddle towels from where he trained horses to help us, you know, have some tack and stuff. You know, good friends like that. You, you just don't know how to thank them, and I don't know if I'll ever be able to thank them enough, but... Um, they're great people, and I'm so so honored to have them as friends.
1: Well, uh, again, uh, they they started the the, the first effort, uh, which uh, I told our listeners is a GoFundMe page. Uh, initially, I believe they thought, well, hopefully we can earn twenty thousand. I went up on the site last night, and they were already past twenty seven thousand, and and heading to to fifty thousand. I mean, s- s- things that I guess uh, our, our listeners may not realize is all of the equipment that's involved in running a, a training center.
4: Yeah, I mean, the loss that, that we had in that barn, because that, um, John, if you remember, that's the big, long training barn. And, yep. um that's the barn that, you know, we had everything in. All of our stable supplies, when we traveled in the winter, we kept in the storage part of the barn so that, you know, we always had those when we came back from Texas. That's where we would store them until we left in the winter to go back. Um, we lost every saddle, bridle, halter, shanks, the bandage material, the transpirators, the freeze machines. Um, you know, I just can't name everything we lost. Everything in the office, our birth certificates, truck titles, house titles, you know, everything we had in our office in there. um, Plus all the memorabilia, um, it's gone, but nothing's going to replace the loss of those 23 horses. We can build the barn back and we can get more pictures, but we can't get those horses back.
1: No, you can't. And I know it's going to take a while. Well, I think it's great that all of a sudden uh, that the national and uh, the the local state uh, HBPA uh, groups are, are jumping in and I just want to uh, tell our listeners out there that uh, that they can donate to, to your fund through the National HBPA and that's a tax exempt organization so it's tax deductible and they can be made online with a credit card at HTTPS slash NationalHBPA.com donate and I'm sure that's a, that's a mouthful but if they just go to the National HBPA Foundation, um, and uh, that they'll find out a way uh, to get to that. Uh, You know, another way they can go is awful close to you in Versailles, Kentucky. I I love this name, Horse Sense, uh, C E N T S. I guess you were pretty much a regular there, and that's where uh, you're probably going to replace a lot of your your webbings and halters and uh, exercise saddles, etc.
4: Yeah, well, they've had a couple people that have gone down and Opened up accounts and you know in their name for us to to get stuff with and it's you know it's overwhelming some of these people I've never met and their kindness and you know they just uh, gone way out of their way to help us get back on our feet and you know in in such bad times it's good to see there's still good out there because uh, sometimes you just don't see the good when you watch TV all you see is the bad in people and something like this kind of reminds you there's a lot of good out there.
1: Well, I know your horses were always easy to spot with their uh, red and white and the circle R on the saddle towel. Uh, You're going to have to worry about looks later. I mean, right now, your, your acceptance uh, supplies, I understand that people can also donate tack and supplies off not only at Horse Sense or any of the three Kentucky HBPA offices, uh, but they can also drop it off at the backside office at, at Turfway Park in Florence and the Thoroughbred Center in Lexington. So while everything may not uh, uh, <laughs> mix and match the way you like to have it, at least things are going to be functional back at Mercury and you're going to be able to get back in the saddle, so to say.
4: Yeah, eventually, you know, we'll, we'll get this thing behind us and it'll give us something in the future to strive for, to get back, you know, try to get back where we were or close to it if we ever can. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty trying times, but John, I want to I don't know how much time we have, but, you know, I want to I talk to you about a guy that everybody around the Turfway and the old River Downs and Belterra now, um, a person that works for me that's been there most of his career. Emory Brinklin, he, uh, he absolutely is the biggest hero I've ever met in this game. John, he ran out of his apartment without a stitch of clothes on in a driving rain, ran into that burning barn, and he rescued eight horses by himself.
1: Oh, my God. And,
4: uh, I mean, this guy is is an unbelievable hero for what he's done. There's not a movie in Hollywood that can portray what he did. Um, stuntmen wouldn't have probably done what he did. And, you know, he made everybody else run in there and do things, you know, watching him. It was the most incredible thing I've witnessed in my life. And I've known him since the second year I trained horses in 1983. And he's he and I have worked together ever since off and on. Um but I watched somebody do something that night that I'll never forget. And the the thirteen horses that are saved, he he gets the credit for all of that because he single handedly got eight of them, and he made us get the others. There's just no way we couldn't join him.
1: That is just that that's unbelievable. Now, from what I understand, uh, putting things together, we're we're believing that uh, at at this point, perhaps lightning started the incident.
4: Yeah, there was a, a really severe storm going through the area at the time. Um, and about 10 minutes after the biggest part of the storm is when, you know, we noticed the, the barn had been on fire. Um, also it looks like the transformer on the electric pole about a hundred yards down from the barn was struck as well. So, you know, right now that's pretty much the consensus. Of course, you know, the investigators are finishing up all their stuff and, um, You know, then it'll be official, I guess, here in a few days from them. But, you know, the consensus right now due to the weather and what was going on is it surely was lightning.
1: Ah, uh, boy, and and again, I believe there were, there were very high winds, and, and thank God they were blowing uh, in the right direction. I just, uh, I, I can't imagine what it'd be like uh, trying to get into that barn. Of course, as you know, horses feel that that's their place of safety, and sometimes in a fire situation, you'll get them out, and they'll actually try to run back into the, the burning stables.
4: The first two that we cut loose. We didn't take them far enough away from the barn, and they ran right, right back in, almost ran over us. One of them ran straight into the, into the flames, and we found him in the office the next day. You know, my office, you've been there. And he, he went right by style, ran right into the heart of the flames, and that was the end uh, of it. Um, so what we started doing, <clears throat> um, we would take the horses, and we would take them way past the barn, almost to the paddocks and shoo them away, and then we would run back to the barn. And, of course, each time we did that, you know, it took a little longer than it should have because we had to go so far from the barn, and, you know, that it was just hard to keep up with the fire. It was moving so fast because I think they said the winds were between 20 and 30 mile an hour at the time.
1: Oh, and,
4: um, actually, the flames went out of the barn and burned the rail on my track, and that's a good 70 yards from the barn.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, Eric, yeah. uh, I, I, I... My, my heart goes out to you and so does everybody else's. And again, if I get a chance at the end of the show, I'm going to remind everybody uh, they can go to the HBPA site or they can just go to a GoFundMe page and, and uh, plug in uh, Eric Reed or uh, Mercury Equine and they'll be able to help donate. My friend, I wish you nothing but the best. I'm going to do everything I can to get the word out to as many people as I can because you and Kay are well deserving of the help. And I know you're going to come back 100%.
4: I sure appreciate it. It It's awful nice of you to have me on tonight. And uh, I just want to thank everybody out there for what they've already done for us. And any help we get is so appreciated. Um, Words will never be enough.
1: Well, thank you so much for taking your time and, and giving us your words. You've got my number. Don't hesitate to pick up the phone anytime, Eric Reed. I'll do it. And please tell Pat to get well. I will, I will. Uh, that was uh, Eric Reed, who's gone through one of the tougher times uh, in the world, as you heard his, uh, his story just then. So we're going to try to end this holiday show on the upside, and we're going to be talking to Penelope Miller from America's Best Racing, a really exciting and colorful, uh, a fun place to go. If you got some time over the holidays, I strongly suggest you visit. Quick break. We'll be back with Penelope after this.
0: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart
1: All right, and with me right now, Penelope Miller, the senior manager of digital media for America's Best Racing. She's been involved in the game for most of her life, Uh, grew up on a thoroughbred farm near Ocala, Florida, graduated from Georgetown U, and she works in several areas of the racing industry. Done a little bit of everything, foaling, breeding, working at Tampa Bay Downs for many years, and now she's with America's Best Racing. Penelope, welcome to the show. John, thank you so much for having me on. Well, I wanted to introduce people to America's Best Racing's website if they haven't been there because you have quite the potpourri of uh, <laughs> Asian, uh, writers, the way people uh, can get uh, involved uh, with uh, voting for the NTRA moment of the year, a look back at horse racing's top breakouts. I mean, it, it's really an active website. You really keep people engaged.
2: Well, we, um, we were founded in, by the Jockey Club and the NTRA to bring new people into the sport of horse racing, and we do that by trying to find touch points that anybody from outside of the sport can identify with. So it's everything from fashion to travel, lifestyle, and beyond, and of course, at the center of all of it are these horses that we love so much. Uh, so as so- you said, there really is a potpourri.
1: It is because, you know, as you look across your, uh, your, 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 your top line there, you know, places uh, that, uh, that people can go, uh, they can just check out the sport, uh, lifestyle, gambling, videos, Triple Crown, and then there's a tutorial there. Now, uh, I, I know that uh, your video section uh, has a very timely series going on right now to a, a place that's close to my heart, and that's Buffalo <laughs> Trace Distillery in Frankfort, Kentucky.
2: Absolutely. Well, what goes better with horse racing than bourbon? And um Kentucky, of course, has its two largest inter- in uh industries are thoroughbred racing and uh bourbon production. So, we wanted to do a video that introduces fans of bourbon to the sport of horse racing and vice versa. And I mean, Buffalo Trace Distillery is unbelievably beautiful. It has such an amazing history that we're so excited to to share it with um our fans and beyond to bring people into the sport of forest racing and show a little bit of the amazing culture of Kentucky.
1: Absolutely. Now, uh, the America's Best Racing Films, I mean, it, it's, uh, it, it's quite a series. So when people go on the site, they can also go back and see some of the other films that uh, you guys have produced.
2: Definitely. I mean, we've done everything from Um, In-depth looks called Wires, which help um, bring people into the sport by spending a day at a big event with people within the industry, with owners, with jockeys. Those are really fun. And then we have short series, too, called The Action, which help bring first-time gamblers and make them more comfortable with winning um, and placing bets. So it's everything from how to place a simple win bet all the way to how to read the program, what a superfecta is, and on down the line.
1: Now, uh, what, what was your uh, entrance uh, to America's Best Racing? Let's rewind a little bit with your career.
2: Well, I, um, as, I, as you mentioned, I grew up on a horse farm um, and always knew that I wanted to be involved in this sport. I mean, I couldn't figure out why anyone would ever do anything different, actually. Um, and so I, I worked my way up. I did everything from night watching and folding barns. Uh, all the way to working for Tampa Bay Downs for several years. And when America's Best Racing um, was being dreamed up, I was fortunate enough to come on board and help, um, help shape it into what it is. So I moved from uh, Tampa, Florida and Tampa Bay Downs to New York City, which was quite an adjustment, but it's been fantastic. And I know how lucky I am to work in this career.
1: Well, you know, if you're working in this career, you're really not working because you're doing something you're passionate about.
2: I know. I keep expecting somebody to wake me up. <laughs> I hope they don't
1: though. Now uh, you, you'll also go over to, um, to to some other sites in case people, uh, you know, had missed uh, a certain stories. I noticed that you, you've got a link to, uh, you know, hanging with Hanskin, and I know that's uh, from the Blood Horse, one of my favorite writers, and and a great uh, great individual, and things like that. So uh, you're in tune with with uh, the different sites across the country, and if you find a story that you think is going to be of national interest, you'll jump that over to America's Best Racing. Is that correct?
2: And that's correct. Or we'll share you know, directly to our social media and to bring other fans in. So, for example, today we saw that Sports Illustrated had a story up about all of their covers featuring horses over the years. So we put those right out on our social media feeds there's a lot of really great stuff, and, and we're very eager to share it. We have a very large and active social media presence. So anytime we can help share the good news about horse racing, um, no matter who's putting it out, we try to do that.
1: Well, Our hey,
2: job is to, to bring new fans into the sport, and that's what all we want to do.
1: Well, uh, tell me a little bit more. This is the first I've heard about uh, what uh, Sports Illustrated did. Where can I go on your site to find that? I'm looking forward to it.
2: Well, we, right now it's on our social media, so if you just go to facebook dot uh, com slash america's best racing it's um right on our our facebook page
1: oh okay on on your Facebook page. Well, then explain that to mm-hmm. me because I've only been on your website. Well, what am I going to see on your facebook page
2: on facebook you'll see everything from videos um photographs, articles, and one thing we'd love to do is Facebook has an amazing feature called Facebook Live in which you can actually broadcast live video through Facebook. So whenever there's a big event, we can bring our fans directly into everything from the party to the stable, morning training to, you know, evening draws, and it's really been a fantastic Uh, Avenue for us to be able to share racing with new people because what could bring people into the sport faster than actually seeing behind the closed doors that are so hard to get into?
1: Well, uh, you know, about this time of year, uh, people get a couple days off from work, and if they're racing fans, they're going to be hard-pressed to find any big races in North America, and they're going to have to go to Japan for that this weekend. (laughs) So uh, tell our listeners what are the the two best ways to, uh, A, get to your uh, main site, and B, get to your Facebook site.
2: Absolutely. Well, they can visit our website at www.americasbestracing.net or at Facebook at America's Best Racing. And we're going to continue to share you know, all that's happening both over 2016 and looking ahead into 2017. We're, of course, getting very excited for the Pegasus World Cup. That should be a lot of fun. Um, and, and just sharing the experience of horse racing to a new and growing audience.
1: Um, you know, and, and that's the challenge. I was talking with author uh, John Parada recently, and it's kind of like, you know, with, with some of the smaller tracks uh, closing up geographically, there's fewer and fewer places uh, for the young people to be exposed to racing. Uh, it, it's certainly one of the biggest challenges of our sport.
2: Absolutely, and that's why we try to meet people and new and potential fans where they're most comfortable, and that's online, and bringing them the experience of racing, teaching them how to bet, teaching them why they should care, and, and, you know, it is fun to go to the track, dress up, make a few bets, and have the time of your life, and grow new fans that way organically, um, and meeting them where they're most comfortable, which is on social media and online
1: all right well uh like i said i you know i hope our listeners are saying you know if i haven't been there i'm gonna go and i also want to become a friend on america's best racing's uh, facebook page uh penelope miller thanks so much uh for for joining us Uh, i wish you and all your readers and all your family and friends uh, uh the best in this holiday season well
2: same to you and thank you so much for having me on
1: Okay, I don't think it will be the last time. That was Penelope Miller, the senior manager of digital media for America's Best Racing. Again, if you got some time, you might want to move on over and and kind of check that out. And uh, once again, uh, I want to thank so much uh, Eric Reed for joining us. And I can't, uh, you know, explain, of course, in this uh, period of giving during the holidays that uh, you know maybe. Pack a few dollars away. Go to the GoFundMe page, uh, and you know help Eric, Kay, and Reed, and their uh, staff. Uh, because their, their farm was so beautiful. Again, it was the former Spent Thrift Farm Training Center, and it's going to take an awful lot to replace it. It was a first-class place, and I'm sure Eric's going to want to rebuild it in the same fashion uh, that uh, he turned it into. It was a little bit run down when he first took it over. So, again, you can uh, donate to Reed's Fund through the National uh, HBPA, which is tax-exempt. So I would just uh, Google the National HBPA, and I'm sure there will be a link up there. And, or you can go to uh, GoFundMe and uh, Google uh, the Eric Reed or Mercury. Equine Training Center. Uh, I want to thank you all very much. Uh, once again, I want to wish everybody a, a happy Hanukkah, uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, we will be back, so I'll be able to wish you a happy New Year before we go. I want to thank Matt Widener, who's been just a sensational uh, producer uh, throughout these years, and I hope he, he has a great year, too, because he's certainly helped me along the way quite a bit. So from everybody at Winning Ponies, may all your photo finishes be winning ones take care everyone and remember when you go to the races bet with your head not over it
0: thanks for listening to winning ponies with john englehart we know the information from today's show will help you at the next post keep listening for more next thursday at 8 p.m eastern time 5 p.m pacific on the voice america sports network